was two minutes late, so it ended up being four. It's always Sean's fault that we're late, but welcome to Still Talking Uncut. I'm your host, Big Easy, joined by my co-host, Sean Rigsby. Special guest tonight, my man, my man from Appalachian Plateau Copper, my boy Sean and Roy. Welcome to the show, fellas. Welcome to the show. Good evening. Thanks for having us. Oh, Thanks for pleasure. being here, man. Thanks for being here. It's yeah, been a... laid on the couch taking a nap. Ain't nothing wrong with that. You had to get it in. You used to go to bed by now. I get it. That's <laughs> what happens when you get <laughs> creeps up on you. Stay yeah, like, long. by 9 p.m., it's bedtime, whereas it used to be before 9 p.m. was when you was just getting started. Hell yeah. <laughs> Father time stays undefeated, so. Well, uh. We always do this thing where we ask everybody what they're drinking on first. If you're drinking on anything, tell us what yeah. you are. And... I got some of uh, Pat's Hilltop, uh, since he's right down the road from us, the Copperous Mountain. That's some good liquor right there. Yeah, yeah that's what I bought it. I mean, if you like, if you like corn in, a, in an all-grain mash bill, that's, I mean, it's pretty good stuff. That's why I got it. I think it... Uh, isn't that a three grain? I can't remember a three. Corn. I want to say it's red, white, and blue. Yeah, that's what I yeah. think. Uh, I'm, I'm, blood butcher, uh, Ohio blue, and then yeah. I believe uh, just blood whatever butcher. white corn it is. I want to say Boone County, maybe it could be, but I know it's red, white, and blue. It's a good liquor, man. That's yeah. a good grain liquor. I'm, You're right. I'm sipping on some uh, local spirit white oak aged corn liquor. Nice. That's a third gen sour mash. We put it on wood for a little bit. Nice, you got it on. You got spirals. Did you put it on spirals or did you throw it in a barrel? Uh, no, or I didn't nuts. have spirals. So I had some uh, some white oak that I charred up and went ahead and then just uh, cubed it up into chips and put her in there with an air stone. Nice. Had cat, uh, what was it? Two gallons, I think. We ended so, up. Uh, when you say airstone, can you elaborate a little farther on what you're talking? I mean, we know what you're talking about, but so got a, um, basically it's an, an aquarium aerator and airstone, and uh, I put the oak in with the liquor, uh, put it in at an entry proof at about 115, 120 is what I think I put that in proof, and then I drop the airstone in there with it and run it for a few days. It kind of speeds up the uh, the maceration with the the wood a little bit. There doesn't take as long. Mm-hmm. you're you're trying to rush through i mean obviously it's not going to be as smooth as something <laughs> you know four or five years but yeah it does impart that that a little bit of wood flavor it's a little bit smokier so i think i got a little bit heavier char on it but i kind of like that smoke it's kind of kind of a scotch but it doesn't have a dry finish like a scotch nice oh, yeah that's the best part about making it for yourself man you make it exactly how you want it yeah i like it so good with it we did something oh, nice. different, or I did with it, you know, when we, I tempered it back down um, to about 100, and I didn't use distilled water to temper. Um, I had this jar, this uh, Granny Smith uh, Amish wedding cider, and I thought, hell, we'll try that and see what that does, and actually, it kind of finished off pretty good. It's got kind of a, a smoky apple taste to it. Hell, Yeah. So, Can't beat that. No. So just play around a little bit. I knew I was the only one going to be drinking it. So if I messed it up, hey, that was on me. I'm the one got to drink it. So stop that. <laughs> that, you know, worst case scenario, just dump it back in the pot. 
Yeah. <laughs> it, it said he'd come to Michigan. I had a, had a visitor from Michigan came down deer hunting, and he come up and got some stuff from the house there. And, and I said, here, try this, see what you think. And he's like, hell yeah. So I ended up sending some up to Michigan. Nice. Hell yeah. Well, what about you, Easy? What are you drinking on? Tonight, I'm drinking on the Uncle Dum Dum jar. It's oh, cold in here, nice. man. This room stays so damn cold. So I was like, man, I'm getting out that high proof tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So I'm drinking... Uh... You going through uh, bush light withdrawals yet? No, no, believe it or not. I, uh, I've i only been drinking Monday nights. Not any day that ends in Y. It's a little too cool for that. But <laughs> old Tuck and Red, Yellow Springs. It's uh, Peach Cobbler Moonshine. It's about 80 proof, but uh, I'll take a little bit of that, a little bit of this green tea. Mixed oh, you together. Made, you, made you a mixed drink. All you, all you need is a little fizz in it. Now I need to stick my pinky up. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least he's drinking healthy. You know, he put some green tea in there. Yeah. <laughs> Got to balance it out, huh? Uh, you ain't shitting. Ain't like you used to be, huh? So. <laughs> no, that's not this. So, let's talk liquor. <laughs> so, um, how'd you get started in making alcohol there, Sean? So, I haven't been making alcohol a heck of a long time, but, you know, I think a lot of them's kind of got the same story with, you know, where it might have piqued their interest or a lot of people do. Um, back when I was a, was a young fellow, the Foxfire books were a thing. Was reading the Foxfire book, you know, there's a lot of stuff in there about liquor making and stills and all that. Um, had a good friend that I grew up with. His family was from down around Louisa, Kentucky. Had an uncle um, that made a shit ton of liquor back in the day. Um, and then as I got a little bit older, when I retired, uh, I had a buddy of mine, uh, was making liquor and he invited me over. Next thing I knew is I ended up with his 40 gallons still up at my place. And I've been running the hell out of it ever since, you know, it's like everybody else seems like the first time you run it, you know, you're hooked and, and it's done with. No, it's all it takes, man. Just that, yeah. that first time, man. Especially when you do it while you, like you can sit in and you can watch, and and it's just still not the same as when your first time, man. It just it comes out. It's like, you know, it's like, dude, you can watch all the porn in the world, but it don't matter till you get it that first time. Yeah, you hook. <laughs> that's just that's, kind of what that's the way it is. So he had me come over and and I watched him and helped him and. He was like, you want to do the next run? And I'm like, well, yeah. He said, well, go ahead, build the next mash bill. And I went ahead and put the mash together, and let it ferment, and went over and ran it. And he was like, you want to get started early or you want to run late? So I was like, nah, man, I want to try that after dark. Shit. That was one of those nights, man. I think we started at 7 at 4.30. I was like, dude, I'm ready to go home. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it ran for quite a while that night, so. Like we should have started early so we could have ended late, you know. <laughs> like, yeah, start late and early. And it'd been all right if I was up that late if I'd been drinking, but hell, I wasn't drinking. That made it that much more miserable sitting there getting ate up by mosquitoes. And oh, I bet. Hell, 
Yeah, drink that moonshine, man. They don't mosquitoes <laughs> don't bite you when you're drunk, or yeah. you just don't realize it because you're drunk. So either way, <laughs> either way, it helps. So um, that's awesome. <laughs> so, what's your guys' favorite thing to to make and favorite thing to drink? I like anything untaxed and clear. I mean, just mostly clear liquors. You know, I know there's a lot of there's a market out there for a lot of these post flavors, but you know, if, if it's a clear liquor, I'm okay with putting it on wood still, but I just, I just like a good, a good all grain clear liquor, be it a corn liquor or a malty grain or some barley. That's pretty much what I like. Sounds like me, man. I like it clear. You know, if I got a choice, just give it to me straight. Yep. <laughs> That's how I want it. You know, you ain't got to mix it. You ain't got to do nothing to it. I do like it on, on ice. I like it a little colder, but I can drink it straight. No problem. So and I, I do like a, a good rye. I've been, I've taken a liking to rye here. Um, I've got some rye at the house. I didn't make it. I really I really like it, and that's something I'm planning on doing probably this year when it gets warm and I get back outside. So I'm gonna start working on on doing some rye this year. And Sean's trying to talk me into it, and I'm like, ah oh, man, oh, I don't want no part of that. You do your thing. You Rye's do your a great thing. grain. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think a big thing with rye is all in how you prep it. You oh, know, yep. you know, there might be a lot of people that, that agree or disagree, but you hear so many different different ways. But I think one thing is is get get the right rye and don't grind them down to where it's a meal like you would with corn. You know, just just crack at that germ on them so that way you can get to the starches and you can get it converted and, and it's probably got a little bit less of what people, you know, kind of refer to with a rye as a bite to it. Mm-hmm. You hear people talk when it comes to making rye, man. Everybody talks differently. Like you got some people just soak it. Some people crack it. Some people mill it. Some people grind it down to the finest powder. And, you know, and like you said, the more that you grind, the more pepper, and the more flavor that's going to come out of it. So you got to gotta find what, what's good for your palate. Well, it gets real pasty. It's hard to kind of work with too when you get it real fine. That's when you get it kind of real pasty before you get your your amylases in there or your your malted grains to thin it back up mm-hmm. when you convert it. But I think that's what caused a lot of that. Obviously, you know, I mean, you you do the same thing when you're making cornbread. You know, it it, it gets a little bit thick on you, so it'd be the same thing. Yeah. Nice, nice. Roy, when did you start making liquor, brother? I haven't made my first run yet. I've just been still hand mixing mash, transferred mash, and just watching that distillate come out of the money end. Nice. You're kind of hooked, but once you get your own rig going, you're going to be like, oh, yeah, I made the right choice. This is me. Yeah, one of these days, I think he'll probably make let me make a run on my own. Hey, if you want to make one run on your own, just run with Sean. He'll stand there and watch you do all the work. So... <laughs> Oh, rigs don't mess around, man. He must be talking about the other one. <laughs> no, we all know who I'm yeah. talking about. <laughs> we all we all know who I'm talking about. Where's he at? <laughs> he'll give you a hoe instead of a paddle, and, and he'll watch you do all the work. No, you know, it was the – was that the first run on your own that you did when I come up here? No. Uh-huh. They just – Sean called me one night and said, hey uh, – Got a little some stuff going on. You want to come up and hang out for a while? And I did. We went out there and just uh, 
you know, watching the process and learn the process and, and understanding that process just amazed me, intrigued me. Yeah, nothing like nothing like learning hands on, you know, right there. It, it, and yes. You can ask questions. It definitely it's definitely very beneficial if he, he probably getting... had at me sometimes as I ask too many damn questions, you know, but <laughs> you can learn. Hey man, that's yes, what so. you're supposed to do. That's what I mean, you know, that's what you're supposed to do. So that's all right. You know, if, if you're looking to get into this and you got somebody you can sit in with and learn there and do it, you know, like you're able to ask questions instead of not knowing or trying to figure it out yourself. It definitely helps speed you along. So, yeah. And, you know, so hopefully, sometimes I come up with a good question, gets him going, hmm, wait a minute, let me think about it. Not, not sure. Like that, that, when that happens, I usually hop on the phone, I start asking other people. Um, uh, and I find the answer, you know. <laughs> well, you know, that's that's a good thing about, you know, the way we got involved over the past, you know, couple <clears> weeks. <throat> Met a lot of people, obviously, you guys and a lot of others. You know, you, you kind of pick their brains, ask them, learn some things. So it's like the guy that um, kind of showed me how to do it. You know, me and him sit around every once in a while and talk, man. And he's just like, man, you took this way to a whole different level than <laughs> just 50 pounds of corn, 50 pounds of sugar, 50 gallons of water, and some yeast. So I think he's amazed, really. At it. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's the beauty of this kind of shit, man. You know, you can do just that over and over and over. You can change the corn to a rye. You can add rye, wheat, you know. Yeah. You can do so much shit that. You'll never get the same thing twice. And, you know, I'm mm. afraid to, to experiment. You know, you, you get a lot of folks, obviously, they ask a lot of questions, and I get it. They don't know. You know, they're just starting the same as all of us did. But, you know, I'm not afraid to just take something and throw it together and see what the hell it does. And if it don't work, I know, man, I ain't doing that shit again. Like like you said, Big Easy, if, if it don't work, just throw it back in the pot and run it again. <laughs> you damn right. If it don't, if you don't like it, rerun it, you know. Well, you get to playing with these heirlooms. I mean, you know, that's a lot, lot more money than yeah, it know, is. messing around, especially <laughs> you start buying malted grains and all that. You know, that's a hell of a lot more than a, than a sack of number two yellow dent. Yeah, it is. That and <laughs> you know, trying to get as many runs out of that mash as you can. Oh uh, yeah, when you're paying, you're paying top dollar for when you're not paying eight to ten dollars for a bag of corn, you're paying heirloom price. And yeah, you definitely. You're going to sour mash the hell out of it and get everything you can out of it and definitely make, make sure it's worth your time anyways. Well, I got to admit, I mean, this year I run the hell out of some sour mash because I was running so much, you know, I didn't really have enough time to to try to work on mashing and some other stuff. So we just landed up. I was like, hell, we're just going to put the back set back in and, and pitch it again mm -hmm. and run it. So. <clears throat> so what's your favorite kind of corn to run? I've mostly used um, number two yellow dent. Um, I, I'm not real big on like bloody butcher. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I like this okay with paps with kind of the earthiness you get out of it. Um, I, I really like the Ohio blue clary for some reason. Mm -hmm. it, to me, I like I like the uh, the flavor profile of it. Um, I'm going to do a little bit with some some yellow or not some yellow dent crap some. Um, some red flint, a little bit more with some flint corns this year. Um, nice. I'm really wanting to get some Amanda Palmer and, and see what I can do with it. Well, um, I said, ahead. do you know where to get the Amanda Palmer? Yes, I do. I know a All couple. Right. 
So, yep. Cool, cool. I tell you, when you ferment that Amanda Palmer, it's going to have a lot of potential alcohol. That stuff has so much starch in it and sugar. It's you're going to be amazed. Like, holy crap. <laughs> so, and that might even be uh, with the rye. You know, I'm not, I'm not doing a hundred percent rye mash bill. Um, use a little bit of corn, but I'm kind of thinking that the Amanda Palmer was, was some rye. Nice. When I decided to do that. Um, the big thing we got is, is, you know, I mean, we've got access to get uh, heirloom corns at a pretty reasonable place through some different people. Um, but we've got a lot of, a lot of silage corn with the Mennonite population that's around us and whatever they don't sell, um, I can usually pick it up off of them pretty cheap because if they try to sell it to the grain or the grain mills, um, they get a serious deep discount. So I can give them a little bit more than what they got at the grain mill, but I'm going to buy it less than if I buy, you know, a sack of corn from somewhere. Yeah. You know, they, the, the problem with those corns, like what they have, uh, is you get a lot of starches out of it, but the test weights are horrible. It makes great feed, mm-hmm. but it's usually under 53-pound test weight, and anything that's 53.9 on a test weight, they get a serious discount on it. So that's why we can usually we'll just make them a little bit off and pick it up, and it, it makes pretty good liquor. I mean, obviously, with the amount of starches it's in it. So When it comes to corn, we're spoiled in this area. Yeah, <laughs> we are yeah. very, very, very spoiled when it comes to corn. Um, you know, like they get you get down in in the you know the mountains, and it just ain't got it like we do around here, man. Like you want to you want a certain type of corn, just look around, you'll find a guy. Yeah, <laughs> whether it's in Ohio, Pennsylvania, and then know. come come fall, you know, we're spoiled with all types of different types of fruit. You know, it's like we got a little bit of everything going on around here. And I like a lot of these guys that's that's getting into these heirloom corns. Um, they're finding a lot of these corns, like some of these prolific corns that, you know, that were kind of rare or some people thought was extinct. And they're they're starting to get some of the seed and regrowing and getting their own seed stock. Um, there's a lot of different corns. So I, I found through. Uh, uh, what's the one in Pennsylvania? Um, Dancing oh, Star Farms, Robert yeah. McDonald. Yeah, he's got <clears throat> corn that's called a Greenfield corn that I didn't realize was native to Greenfield, Ohio, and it's it's not to be found over here anymore. And he's got it in PA, growing it and selling it. So really, I may I'm gonna go get some of that and do a little bit of history on it for the area. See what we can make out of it. Just see what it is. It's supposed to be. Uh, it was a silage type corn. For, for chopping silage, feeding cattle. It's supposed to be a real high storage corn also. So I'm just kind of curious to see if there's any difference between it and the other silage type corns or the yellow dense. The the only other green corn I've heard of around here is uh, Old Bonnet up at Schoolhouse. He grows the Oaxacan green, the Mexican yep. corn. Yeah. So this this is a yellow, it's a it's a it's an open pollinator. Um but it's it's uh, Greenfield, Ohio, which is, you know, kind of between Washington Courthouse and Paps there, mm-hmm. right off 28. Yep. I, that. I drive right through, when I go to Paps from here, I drive right through Greenfield. Yep. The, next to Springfield, it's the largest trailer park in Ohio, so. <laughs> true, true. I mean, I got That's nothing, a good man. one. I, you know? Yeah. <laughs> good one. Yep. I'm, not, I'm not in Springfield, but. 
the address of Springfield? I get it. I mean, obviously, you know that. I mean, when I was born, I was born up there. And uh, we, we kind of call it Spring Tucky nowadays. Mm-hmm. But well, Spring Tucky. I, first, first getting chance I got to go, I hauled ass. I come down to Southern Ohio. So I've been down here for shit a little over 30 years now. So, Much better than where you were at. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I seen a thing put out the other day on the crime rate, not to go down that rabbit hole, but. I couldn't believe how high uh, Springfield was rated in Ohio and nationally with the the violent crime. I was like, shit, yeah. changed. And, you know, population-wise, that's really not that big a city to have that kind of. No, it's not. It's, it's the same deal in Dayton because, you know, I'm in Dayton. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's the same deal. It's like, man, just don't live in the city around here and you'll be all right. Yeah. <laughs> just don't, don't live in the big city and you'll be just fine. Down here, kind of living in the hills and you know you drive up out of any of the hollers you live in you know i was talking about being fortunate with all the grains there's so much grain you come up get into those flat areas and you know, think about it us being fortunate you know a lot of these other states you get you know south of the ohio river and the the grains in some of those areas are a little bit limited i know we were selling some some yellow corn for a while to some people to feed deer with and they was driving clear up from green at kentucky paying what I thought was stupid money for shelled corn in bulk. And uh, they was like, well, hell, they're charging $12 for a 50-pound bag down there. You know, and this was three years ago. I just thought yeah. that was crazy. But yeah. yeah. We've got 10 different uh, feed stores around us, Tractor Supply, Rural Kings, $10 for a bag, bag of feed corn in there all day long. Yeah. A do- dollar more if you want the cracks. Yeah. 99 yesterday. Yeah, we was somewhere yesterday looking at corn in a they had a 40 pound sack for $18.99 for shelled corn. We both looked at each other like, what? I'll tell you, the best grain you can get is when it's already ground up and someone else goes and gets it for you. And they even ground up corn. I bet it is. In in the cab of their truck. It's always better when somebody totes that powdery (laughs) shit for you all the way back, huh? Oh man, that was great. Yes, yeah, so I had a coon chill hole on the tauna cover on my truck. And uh so it leaks a little bit of water now. So I get that half to haul that dusty shit around on the inside of the cab of the truck. I I got a COVID purchase for a pickup truck and I spent way too much money for that damn thing and I hated every time I got a haul five hundred pounds of corn. <laughs> you know, I know it's a truck, but damn. You're right. I like to keep the inside clean. I'm okay uh, with buddy. So we talked yeah. a lot about the grain, man. Let's talk a little bit about what kind of fruit y'all like. Uh, peaches and apples. Yeah. Um, That's wow, right there, boy. A little bit easier to get a hold of other than the cost. The cost is ridiculous on some of it. But um, I'm fortunate enough. I've, I've had a bunch of people that's kind of figured out what I'm doing here over the last few years. And um, they've given me access to some some apple trees. Um, some peach trees that had a real good peach crop last year. I just didn't get there in enough time to get the peaches off of them. Um, the guy here where we've got the shop at, uh, his girl has got a place just absolutely full of apples, and he brought me some apples last year. I opened this bag up, man, and these apples are just white. And I was I was about as happy as a kid, fat kid in the candy store because I was like, man, them things are absolutely covered in yeast. Yeah, buddy. Yeah. 
I'm kind of curious. I got them put back, see what they'll do when I can get to doing it. But um, that's a big thing. You know, I mean, I'd like to do blueberries. I've never done blueberries, but, you know, blueberries are expensive. We don't have a lot of blueberries around here. Yeah, I'd like to do blueberries too. Bents, get us a hookup on blueberries. Yeah. You know they're going to taste like corn anyway if he doesn't. Not, not only yeah. if Bents runs them. Just buys only, if, <laughs> only if Bents runs it, man. Yeah. True story. That's why none of us could get blueberries because he buys them all. <laughs> yes, you got to get your peaches about uh, mid to late summer, and you got to buy a shit ton of them because they get down to about a dollar a pound then. Yeah, and and then come October is when you can start getting all the apples super cheap. Just make just make sure they ain't deer apples when they sell them to you. Hey yeah. man, deer apples work great too. They, they, it worked. I, I mean, ain't saying they didn't. And the price was right. <laughs> We've got an orchard down by us. I actually went in there, uh, and I asked them about their apples for any of the stuff that they hadn't sold, any of their bushels or whatever. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, we've got a lot of them. I said, well, what's your price on them? said, oh, I, you know, I can't remember the exact price, but it was, you know, like $3 norm or less than what they would sell a bushel of their premium apples at. And I was like, you gotta be shitting me. You're going to either sell them as deer apples or leave them out there to rot, man. Good, good trick, but not this. I know. Like I'm going to spend $3 and get the good ones. I'm going to spend yeah. $3 more. Like, come on, man. If, if they're half the quality, they got to be half the price. Like, do you want to sell them all or not? Yeah, cause it's, it, it's that simple. Their bruises, their pickouts is what it was. Uh, and and we got, so the men and I, um, we've got a couple of fruit markets between the Mennonite and the Amish down here and they do some auctions. So they go down to Georgia and they buy them crates of peaches. So I thought, you know, wh what do you get on, on the seconds of them down there when you get them back, man, he was selling me, I think it was $75 a bushel is mm -hmm. what he wanted for peaches. I thought, well, that, that connection didn't work out either. So that's, that's the biggest thing is just trying to find them. You know, a lot of the local folks around us, has got some fruit trees that just don't pick them. You know, I've been lucky enough to come across and get a lot of those things picked. So, and peaches and apples seem to be the primary thing they have. Yeah, that's that's the primary thing here. Eat peaches and apples, man. I wasn't. I was surprised on how big peaches are up north. Like when you get up by Lake Erie, peaches yeah. are huge, huge orchards. I mean, it was it was crazy. I had no idea. And then at the end of last year, I was looking for peaches, and that was the only place I could find them. So what are they doing up there? They're with them. Just, I mean, is it is it going for the wineries for anything or they're just they all feed their fruit stands. They got big giant fruit stands, and and I'd imagine some are going to wineries and and, and I guess whatever you want them for. <laughs> hey, so um, I can't really see what that is behind you under that sign, but it's a copper thing. I believe that's a some y'all just built. Talk a little bit about that, and That's I guess the I guess the sign too as well. So we're working on some Donna jugs right now. Um, I'm waiting on a couple pieces of equipment. So this was some things that we had that we go ahead and build. Um, did a kind of a twisted uh, copper handle on it. The one gallon got the brass valve on the top of it. Um, I've got a funnel still over on the bench yet that. What we've done with it is I just basically put another union of mail on the other side of the funnel 
and you can put a funnel into the top instead of having to stick a plastic funnel or whatever into the top of it and it flopping around. Nice little screw on, little screw yeah, on yeah. funnel. So. Yeah, so it'll screw on, take the valve off, screw it on. So this one here, I still got to do some polish in there. It's got a couple little scratches in it to get some polish in there. So yeah. uh, you guys said Donna Jug. Ex explain what those are to the people that might not know. So yeast, you know, there's a lot of folks that's got, like I talked about the apples earlier. If you've got a good yeast off of those apples that you like that does good for you, um, you can capture that yeast, get a culture, and you can propagate it and keep it going. So what you can do is you can put it in these Donna Jugs. You can go ahead and get a yeast starter and propagate that um, that valve there. Once you get it in there, once the yeast does what it's going to do, you can gas it or whatever it is with that valve, close it off, stick it in your refrigerator, keep it cold in a cold creek somewhere. But obviously it's modern days refrigerator. It'll go dormant. So you can just keep keep repropagating that yeast using it over and over. So obviously, you know, we don't have a cryogenic freezer like like. Uh, your guest last week did where they've got oh, <laughs> they got Dr. Pat. Yeah. 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 So we just got to use those. So we got to do it the hillbilly way. Talks a lot about, you know, the history of Donna jugs. Um, obviously, you know, catching bait there for a while. He was making Donna jugs um, help himself out a little bit. And, you know, like Alan said, a lot of these people, they would have, uh, their own yeast and to hide it they would drop it down in a well or lay it out in the creek or whatever it is to keep it cold and they could keep these yeasts going for you know from one mash to the next it's it's the same concept you hear people like oh that's a sourdough starter from 1875 yeah that mm -hmm. they've kept it's it's right along the same idea you know you just you taking a yeast that you you found you became fond of that you want to you want to capture that flavor and and moving on to the next to every mash then on out so you see people do that you know and, and i would imagine you know if you're if you're reusing your yeast it's saving you money i mean that's definitely more money you know if you're you're propagating it you're storing it and then reusing it so you know like a lot of us you know we either use dady or um heaven forbid somebody uses freaking turbo i mean oh these never mind but, I thought you were going to say bread yeast. <laughs> yeah, bread yeast. You know, a lot of people like, you know, the Fleshman's bread yeast. That's cheap. You know, you you spend $6.99 for a pound or whatever mm -hmm. it be. But if you get some specialty yeast that you paid a whole lot of money for. Um, oh, yeah. Come across, mm -hmm. I mean, one way there, you know, if you're paying, you know, $50, $60 an ounce or whatever it may be or up for it, then you can. Are we still talking about? East, <laughs> yeah, we we are we ain't in Michigan, Sean. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You'll see you'll see at them angel yeast they get up to around a hundred dollars for an yeah. eight ounce package of it, and so you know I could see like you want to you want to stretch and it ain't no different than buying a bag of heirloom corn and stretching that out by sour mashing. It's the same thing, man. Like I'm gonna save this yeast, I'm gonna use it. And it, you know, we kind of tried to change the handle up a little bit. We just kind of threw that together yesterday and played around, and it actually it didn't turn out too bad. That was Roy's little project there. I put him to to get some copper there and get it twisted and heat it and hammer it out and form it until he got it where he wanted it at. And we stuck it on there, so it kind of throws a little bit different look to it. Right, what'd you uh, what'd you use for the handle to twist? So we got some uh, some copper tubing. And quarter inch, quarter, yeah, inch, quarter inch, and basically just run it to get 
and uh, twisted it, braided it, mm-hmm. and then heated it and hammered it down flat and just kept working it, hammering it nice. in different directions until we got it, you know, back where it was annealed to where we wanted it to. And then uh, he got another one. So that was the first one. The second one turned out real well. Yeah. Laying on the bench. So and the more you do, you know how it goes. The more you do. Yep. Yep. Just something different than, you know, flat piece of copper handle or a piece of copper tubing that's round that's, you know, flattened out on one end and soldered on. So I, I got one question. What's that? Does that you have know, a folded bottom? You know damn well it does. You know. <laughs> so, you know, and, and I know, okay, so for whatever reason, you know, you have slip in bottoms or whatever it may be. I wasn't taught that way, and it's not that I've got anything against it. It's just this is the way that I know and I'm comfortable with, so that's why I did it. You know, look at that solder joint through yeah. there. So you know that's yeah. when when I when I talked to to Silcott when I was leaving down there, I said, "Look, dude, I, you know I I like the folded bottoms and the, the double folded seams, but I was like, man, the dovetails are yours. They're your signature. I ain't pricking with them. And second of all, solder gets expensive." And them things are my Achilles heel. I am not trying to have solder flowing all over the place and have to clean it up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you've seen that one that you come up. Yeah. You know, I, I've soldered before, but goddamn. Yeah. It's, it's different bird, ain't it? Yeah. Different bird right. when you got to. Well, you know, you go from solder, you know, sweating pipes. Sweating pipes really not that difficult. No. I, but, you know, you get the sheet copper and you get to solder that. Uh, it, it's a little bit different. You know, if you don't have ever, all your seams, you know, down, if you lap seam it or whatever, you know, you're going to get it to run through or it's going to spread apart or it's going to run over the side and you're going to have copper running all down the side of your, your copper or the solder and you just got a hell of a mess. And you can definitely see it. Like, it's just like, you, it's what you're drawn to. Like, holy mm-hmm. shit. Yeah. <laughs> holy yeah. shit. And you're trying to clean it up and yeah, I can. Yeah. It, it's, like you said, sweat and pipe together is a lot different than than soldering sheet copper together. Hell yeah, it is. And you know, it, when you get to the point when you start doing this stuff for a living, you know, having to clean all that mess up is time away from production. It's additional cost. You know, it's wasted solder. You know, flap wheels, all that stuff. Then you got to go back in and you know start polishing all them scratches out that you put in it trying to clean it up so that's one of the things too so so old hooch wants to know how much are you going to sell the donna jugs for or if you haven't decided yet that's fine i was telling him to message you later on i did tell him to message me i'm not 100 percent positive yet you know i've got a ballpark figure um, that's something we've still got to work out yet we've got a partial price list that's that we've got worked up um I need to reprice copper again because I bought sheet copper back, you know, in November. So I want to check on that too. I don't know if there's been an increase yet since we're into the new year. So there's all there's always an increase. Yeah, waiting <laughs> on a few pieces of equipment and everything to come in also before we actually officially roll out. Yeah, that's kind of been the thing. You know, I haven't really been advertising or anything. I've got a couple little little things that um, is going somewhere and then. I've got a couple keg caps, horse head caps for kegs that I, I got that won't be too much to build with stainless in them. But this 
this bead roller, I'm about to get aggravated. So we'd ordered a bead roller a while back. You can do it without a bead roller, but it makes things a lot easier, you know, on some things instead of having to do it by hand with pliers, a little bit cleaner finish on them. But, yeah. You know, kind of wait till we get that up. And the other thing is, it's the good old state of Ohio. You know, they want their ounce of flesh. So we got to all in an ounce. in back for the. <laughs> All that. So, they want a pound of flesh. Yeah. yeah. I really, you know, you, you hate to do things above board and pay taxes, but kind of kind of got to do things to protect yourself too. And your it, 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 it does suck, but in the end, it's definitely worth it. You know, the ease of mind, you know, you, you yeah. have no worries, you know. So, you, well, that with the EIN, it gives us some banking options also. Um, we went looked at a, at a banking uh, issue that's close to us. Um, gives us the ability to where, you know, you can pay with credit cards instead of having to do the, the Venmo or Cash App or PayPal. And, yep. and you know, I'm, I'm sure there's probably going to be a small fee associated with it if it's a credit card. But Oh, um, yeah, like PayPal charges PayPal. 4%. Yeah, yeah so 4%. Through U.S. Bank, yeah, it's, it's generally three uh, percent on mm. the, which is pretty typical in the banking industry, and it's not fees every time you move money from one account or from paper yep. to account. Or if it is, you know, you can always just ju- adjust the price according. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's probably what we'll do. We'll reflect that into the cost. You know, we'll just have to let them know that, you know, it may show up on the billing that there's a three percent. Um, credit card fee, but that's been already accounted for in the pricing. So we'll make sure that that's covered. Uh, you know, ca- cash is king, but if they want to pay with a card and what have you, we'll have the ability to do that. And do Oh, that. yeah. I'm always like, hey, man, if you come pick it up and I ain't got to ship it and you pay me cash, I can give you a better price. Oh, yeah. For sure. Like, and that's how that's how it is. Like, pay cash and pick it up. Shipping's a nightmare. Yeah. Shipping, shipping's 25% of your cost. Yeah. Yeah, like box, boxes, packing material. Yeah, and, then, and package these things. You know, you put you put that much work into them. You know, you don't want to poorly package them and send them. Then things get beat all to hell. Um, you know, want to get there and, and good piece because you know, obviously, if it gets damaged, you know, we're going to be responsible for having. Yeah. To pay. You know, you you can claim the insurance money off of it, but still, you still have to rebuild the whole damn thing. So. You got to rebuild it. You got to pay to ship it again. Uh, I, I'll usually send a return label to that person and ask them to send me the item back and hope they do. And then you get it back and then maybe you sell it discount. And, but like, you got to spend $30 worth of packaging materials to package stuff so well that it doesn't get damaged. And then you got to pay for fragile shipping and Especially like with copper, you know, one little ding, and then that whole yep. thing's just there ain't nothing you can do about it. And even though I mean, we're using 20 ounce copper on everything, um, we've got 16 ounce copper here that we'll use on on other things. It's not going to yeah. be the, the distillation side of things, but um, 20 ounce is a pretty pretty heavy gauge copper. Yeah, it is. It, you know, it don't take too damn much to dent one of them. So it don't. Uh, I mean. Hell, Sean had one in the back seat of somebody's car that got dented. <laughs> that wasn't New Straitsville, was it? It was New Straitsville. I don't believe. Yeah. I don't yes. believe it was dented Something. in the back seat of said person's car. <laughs> I'm just gonna leave it at that. But you know, on the, the shipping side of it is, is you know, I, I've talked to a couple of the other guys that are building that's been in it for a while, and um, they give me, you know, who it is that they're shipping through. So what I like about this particular shipping company is 
um, they they'll they'll tell you what the cost is going to be to wherever the address is. And the positive side of it is, you know, either it be USPS, which I ain't shipping shit through the United States Postal Service. No, not at uh, all. <laughs> and UPS and FedEx is the area that it goes to that you can look up and to that particular zip code, whatever terminal, it'll give a report on how they handle the packages. You know, it gives a report on if they've had damages, quite a few damages for that particular company there. So it's easier to make your choice. You know, yeah, it might be cheaper FedEx, but UPS is going to take better care of my product. You know, you may have to pay a little more. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's, that's kind of the thing we're looking at with that side of it too. Um, with that shipping service, if someone makes an order, we can actually quote them the shipping right there by calling up their uh, zip code and what have you. So it's real time. It's pretty, pretty cool, actually. Yeah. So you all put their shipping address in, it'll print it up. Um, it also provides insurance on it in that cost for the shipping also. Yep. So um, there's, a, there's a couple other companies that's used, and it seems to be a pretty good company. So we're going to give it a try. So they write fragile on packages, so that that means they don't throw it overhand; they just throw it underhand. That's right. That makes a big difference, you know. <laughs> it makes a big difference under and over. Yeah. <laughs> so, so talk a little bit about uh, your wall hanger back here. Yeah, let's, uh, let's let's hear about the the Appalachian Plateau Copper. I'm yeah, where, where how'd you come up with the name? And so, what, just what, what it is? What exactly is it? What are you offering? So the geographical area that, you know, we live in is, is considered the Appalachian Plateau. Um, if I got a little bit more north and east, we could have called it the Rust Belt Copper Company, I guess. But, you know, I just don't go to, obviously, <laughs> Appalachian Plateau. I run across that state of Ohio logo that's in behind that seal. Um, it was kind of like a satellite photo, and I just thought it was cool. You know, you can see the uh, where the, the, the plateau, the Appalachian Mountains come down through it. Um, it's got all the rivers and the streams in the state of Ohio. And then I had our um, our artist take the seal of the state of Ohio and had her take the sun out of it and put a moon in the background instead, that crescent moon. So, you know, the Chillicothe area where we're at is where that steel seal of Ohio was actually generated from, uh, Great Seal State Park, which is was down there up in the area where the Tecumseh Outdoor Drama is. So it's kind of that's geographical to the area where we're at too. Chillicothe being the first state capital, first capital of Ohio. Yeah. So you know, I mean, you you can research the state of Ohio, what everything means, and you know, as far as the hills in the background, the the arrows, the corn, you know. So it kind of puts a little bit of that with the corn and the agriculture of it in our Native American history here. Uh, wait, a, wait a minute. So you're telling me Appalachia is part of Ohio? Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> a lot of people, you know, we're yeah. not in Kentucky, Tennessee, you know, and, uh, Virginia. If, if you're not East Tennessee, you know, you're probably not really the, I'll leave it at that. And, <laughs> you left your, you left your dress in the other room. Yeah. Hey, we, we don't, yeah. we don't talk about her around here because then she <laughs> comes back. I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. So <laughs> I had to start her. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you look at it, the Appalachian Plateau, and that's like a lot of people, you know, don't think of Pennsylvania, but 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 a largest majority or a large majority of the Appalachian Mountains actually run through Pennsylvania. You know, they just don't think of it because they might call it the Alleghenies or 
the Poconos or whatever mm-hmm. in there or up in New York. Um, but, you know, we, we sit on it. That's the difference. We're in the plateau, obviously, is what we're called into here. And then you get start getting down into parts of Tennessee, the foothills. And, <clears throat> but you're right. If you're not East Tennessee or West Virginia or Virginia, you know, a lot of people don't don't think about the Appalachian side of the state of Ohio. But, you know, hell, Pike County is Kentucky where everybody run out of gas anyhow. So, you know, yeah. it, Technically. Everybody thinks we're just cornfields, man. Like a third, yeah. the, a yeah. third of Ohio is rolling hills, put hills, and then you get a little bit of flat, and then you get up into the lakes, you know. And, and yeah. it's it's definitely not as flat as everybody makes. Like twenty five percent of Ohio is it's a flat mess, mm-hmm. <laughs> flat nothing. And that's Nobody usually wants. when you, yep, you get yeah. you get no, north of where I'm at, or you head out west of here, and it's it's just flat. But you go south or, or east, and you get into the mountains, and, and it doesn't take long. Well, you know, even up where you're at, you you get down along, along the uh, the Little Miami, the Great Miami River, um, down in below 71. I mean, that starts getting really hilly in through there. Down well, along. It, it's even a world of difference where I'm at and to where Easy's at. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, where where I'm at, we have we got the five rivers. We have the yeah. five rivers that that carve this area out. That's why the Miami Valley was carved out by the you know the great miami the little miami and wolf creek and, and mad river and Stillwater, and so we've got all these rivers that run through here and they all meet in downtown dayton in the great miami and if you take a boat trip down my the great miami river it don't take long before you, you realize like you know this ain't just cornfields yes yeah. <laughs> yeah. well, on, the, on the rest of the banner around the outside you see the border I don't know if you can see the border on there. You can't you see the border. I can't see what it says. It's Scott Irish Celtic knots. So yeah, that's that's kind of why we did the Celtic knots and the border on it is, um, you know, obviously the Scottish and the Irish or the Scott Irish immigrants come in through you know New York, Pennsylvania. The the liquor history, obviously, with those folks when they come in, um, they brought a lot of of. Um, their distilling practices here, which is a lot of, you know, what modern day is now, you know, a lot of, a lot of what people are building or doing now, they think that they've, um, they've come on to something new or, or something, but you know, a lot of it, it's, it's already been done. And yeah. then that thing called prohibition come along. And a lot of that, that history kind of went by the wayside and was forgot about and got stagnant. And a lot of folks are in there digging all that back up and bringing it up again. So yeah, I mean, you see a lot. What you saw that uh, distillery out in West Virginia thought they were the first people to, to distill maple sap. Yeah, um, you know, you see like the jar thumpers. They've been around for a long time. The infusers, the dump port infusers. Yeah, you know that, that thing just didn't all of a sudden come out the last couple of years. Yeah. You know, they've been out for a long, long time. And like you said, through prohibition and all that, they quelled and and really, really put their foot on the throat of a lot of the history that, that they buried, you know, cause whoever wins, whoever wins is going to write his story. That's where history comes from. And so whether it's through smear campaigns and, or just anything, they're going to ruin it. And so all the main history was passed along in families and generations, as opposed to being um, freely spread knowledge like we get nowadays. And, and, and that's kind of why I'm doing what I'm doing now is, um, 
we're in a generation of of kids that I don't think has any aspiration or intestinal fortitude to carry on and do any of that. And it'd be kind of nice, you know, if some of us, even though some of us are older, there are some younger ones that are out there as, you know, get some of these old traditions and get them going again, you know, and there's always the argument about, well, you know, if you're using gas or wood fire or electric, you know what? I don't give a shit. As long as you're making liquor and you're making a mash bill and you're making decent liquor, you know, I, I've got my opinions when it comes to stainless versus copper, but you know what? Everybody's got to start somewhere. Mm-hmm. And, you know, on, on our side of the business, you know, getting into the steel bill and the copper side of it is too, is even though somebody might buy a cheap um, imported uh, set of pots and pans that are bolted together, inevitably sooner or later, most of them, if they're serious about what they're doing, they're going to upgrade yeah. and they're going to buy a piece of copper because they're going to figure it out. It's, you know, it's a starting tool, you know, it's like, it ain't no different. You buy your 16 year old kid a junker, you don't go out and buy them a Bentley. You yeah. know, like they, they got to learn on something that if they destroy it, it's like, oh, I'm out, I'm out of a thousand bucks or I'm out a hundred dollars for that shitty still. But eventually once they get more experience and then you go and you buy them a nice truck or you, you know, you help them get something nice. And so, like you said, it doesn't matter where you start. If you're really, really into it, you're going to grow. And usually your next step, you got to get a copper rig, you know, yeah. Even if you start on a cake still, eventually you're like, man, I, just, I, I need something bigger. I need a 20. Yeah. I need a 50. Well, <clears throat> and I was talking to Sean, you know, the other day, you know, kegs are nice, um, especially to start on because you can't really fuck them up. Or know, if you but, do fuck them up, you just get a new cake. Yeah. yeah. Um, but if you can get a copper cap for said keg and go from there, you know, so and you know. Kind of what we're going to do, you know, with this is is a lot of people, um, kegs seem to be a little bit of, of a niche market right now. Um, obviously, they're cheap to start with as far as your boiler or your pot goes with. You know, it's already got a ferrule in it unless you want to cut it out and put a four inch in there. But, you know, like, like Sean said, it provides us an opportunity where we can make a bunch of accessories. So, yeah, you've got a stainless pot, um, but, you know, we can build a, a horse head cap that's clamped. You know, we can build, you know, the jar rigs, you know, you build you a thumper. There's all different kinds of options as far as what your condensers are, you know, being a live big coil. You know, we're working on a couple different things that um, it's nothing new. I'm pretty sure there's some people out there that's pretty close to it, but we're going to try to put our own spin on it on, on some condensers for keg type stills or even a copper still. But, you know, I'm all about, you know, as far as the kegs go, because I'll see a lot of them out there and, you know, I'll build you whatever you want for it as long as it's, <laughs> it's yeah. So, mm-hmm. which Kevin Gordon beat me to the punch posting the picture, you know, on those, those horse heads that he put on there. I was already sitting down drawing up, was going to do one. And I'm like, well, shit. So, you know, it is. Hey, what it is. hey you know, everybody's building, everybody's got the same stuff and yeah. you know, just yeah. do your, do your thing, put your player on it and, you know, well, that's just, kind of why we're we're kind of messing with a little bit. You know, everybody's got their style of, of bead rolls too. You know, like um, thirteen stills, they do the inward bead rolls. Mm-hmm. Um, North Georgia, they may bead roll all the way down. They're still. Um, you've got Adam Burgess that you know does a single bead roll on it, but he's got a particular style the way that he does his caps and his his helmets and his line arms and stuff on there like that. 
And, you know, we, we decided we won't bead roll everything, but we're going to do some bead rolls. And we kind of incorporated of working a bead roll in. It kind of looks like what the metal band or that concept around a whiskey barrel. Mm-hmm. You know, nice. Bands that's on there. And then that's why we're playing with braiding um, some copper. We got some, some copper wire in here earlier and we was doing some braiding. We're going to work up some jigs. You know, we had the Celtic knot. And we're going to try to braid together some Celtic knots. In between the bead rolls on the stills, you know, that's an option we're looking at where we'll be able to lay that copper, that Celtic knot in there and affix that to, you know, spot solder in some places. So, you know, if you want something a little bit different, kind of flashy on it or whatever, you know, put that on there. Just something to set us apart from what other people are doing. It doesn't affect anything with the liquor making, but, you know, it kind of does look pretty cool if you got it sitting up on your, your bench or whatever and somebody comes in and it sets it apart. So probably one of the coolest things that, you know, kind of drives us too is we're, we're not here to take everybody else's business. You know, we, we are of the opinion that there's a, a big enough market for all of the still builders, accessory builders, et cetera, mm-hmm. to have a little bit of fun, to make a little bit of money to create a whole lot of new friendships, et cetera. And we've reached out to uh, the lion's share of really all of the. Yeah. Except for still builders. Still, so. There's a few that we haven't reached out to. And, and, you know, we look at it as a collaboration, you know, competition happens at the bottom. Mm-hmm. Collaboration happens at the top, you know, and, and if we get busy and, and we're not able to satisfy a customer, you know, we'll, we'll send them to Flatlander stills or we'll send them to, you know, Ace Custom Copper, whoever, and then we've already spoken to all those prominent business owners, and and they're all supportive of what we're doing, and we're really excited about those relationships that we've already established, and the friends that we've come across here over the last couple of years, or year and a half, and that's that's what we're all about. We're not here to take over the world and and have one of our stills or any of our copper products in everybody's house. You know. Yeah. Cause you know, everybody used to their own, you know, everybody's wallet's different than the next person. You know, we probably won't be the most expensive, but we may not necessarily be the cheapest either. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, the thing is behind it is, you know, we're going to stand behind the product. If it's not right, you know, we'll fix it and we'll make it right. That's right. You know, and, and try to put things out there. So, and, and that's, you know, I like, so I'm the kind of person everywhere I go, I go to the distillery, always check out their stills. Um, we go to a show, I check everybody's stills out, kind of look and see what they do. And one of the things that I always want to do is come up with my own design um, to where ours stand apart than, from what anybody else is. So you walk in because, you know, we've been around enough stills between all of us here. Mm-hmm. We pretty much tell who the maker is on it. Yep. And that Whether that's what's really cool about it. Like, you know, somebody will post a picture up. And, I, you know, and be like, oh, that's so-and-so. And they'll be like, yeah, that's who I got it from. You just know, you know, like everybody's got their own deal, their own way, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just, it's, you're putting a part of you and your personality into your work and it shows, you can definitely tell, you know, when you, when, when something that you're having built is built by somebody who loves what they do, you know, cause you get a, you get a piece of that person in that still or, or in that jar rig or anything, you know, yeah. you just, you just, you know, you can tell. Well, and there's, there's enough work for everybody, you know, yeah. Yeah. Um, and like you said, you know, price points, that's a big deal. You know, I mean, yeah, you could get a copper pot 
it's got a two inch clamp on top or you could get a beer keg yeah you know but if you get a beer keg you're i would venture to say 90 percent sure you're eventually going to go to copper yeah so you know I'm, I'm doing a job for somebody here eventually you know early on we was talking to him and told him what he's going to do so we've got enough copper we can actually build what i need to build for him before we get you know cranked up but that's what he's got he's he's got a uh, all copper rig but he likes his stainless because it's convenient based on the size of what it is for him to be in his basement mm -hmm. and but what he has done instead of just a column on it is i'm, I'm making a horse head uh, cap for him um, i'm making a, a copper thump rig a jar i'm replacing basically the glass with some copper doing some some different stuff with it and i'm going to work him up a different type of condenser than the libing that he's got on it so he you know so he's he's working that way obviously he's already got a copper rig but he's upgrading those cake stills and incorporating mm -hmm. copper in there instead of trying to shove a bunch of scrubbers and stuff in there to clean things up sulfites through the the stainless that a lot of folks do and, you know, it looks steampunk as hell when you start putting some of that high-speed good bash shit on those things. <laughs> I mean, it does. I like I, I like, I like the look, man. So I like it when they look crazy, and I like it when it looks a redneckery. <laughs> you know, when you're when you going to run that uh, submarine pot, bro? <laughs> anyway. So um, when, when do you guys – are you open for business or when do you, do you plan on being open soon? So uh, when, when, when are you uh, willing to start taking orders? We're hoping based on the last email confirmation I got on this, this piece of equipment, the second week of February. Great. Um, okay. Initially we was hoping to be open the fourth week of January, <laughs> but they said that they did not anticipate the number of sales that they was going to have on that and that they were out of stock. And I've since probably won't do business with them again. Cause I talked to them. They changed the delivery date twice on me. You know, I explained to them, you know, we're now four weeks away from yeah. or done with, you know, production we could have been doing, you know, we upgraded to the next size and they're like, yeah, uh, we'll cancel that order and we'll charge you the price for what the next size would be. I'm like, well, hell no, I'm not going to pay that. I'm what I'm trying for you to do is to stick behind your business. So make it yeah. right. You know, that's kind of where I'm at with it. But we, always they, a nickel holding up a dollar. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And we may have stumbled across another one that might even be a little bit better that could possibly be here next weekend. So hey, you know, I, everything that, happens for a reason, you know. So yeah. maybe it maybe it was meant to be where you know what I'm saying, meant to be to move on from the first one and end up with a second one and you'll be happier and it'll work out better for you in the end. Mm -hmm. So, so, you know, a little bit of the delay was, is um, initially we was going to build a shop uh, at my place. And I've got a friend that had a, an old, basically two car garage. It's not real big square footage, but it's big enough for what we need to do. And it was, it was pretty bad shape when we got in it, but it was free. Yeah. So we had <laughs> No construction materials left over for some other jobs and kind of went in here and reshored up the wall, put a new ridge beam in, insulated the ceiling with that that foil you see up there, um, put all this metal up in here. So that kind of delayed us a little bit. That took a little bit longer dealing with weather and, you know, trying to make the time to get it. So, but in short, I'm hoping 
hoping here, you know, the middle of February we're up and running right. production. So, now, do you guys are you going to have a website for people to order from? Or? Yeah, that's the other thing. You know, with a lot of these these websites, they want a Gmail account. We ended up started to get a Gmail account to get the domain so you could get it to go to the website. Uh, I'll talk to Sean again. Maybe I know he's building a website. Maybe we can do something better because I know. When we set up the Gmail, somehow we ended up with a .org and not a .com. And a, a .org is not what we want. So, you know, I will no. kind of that. The, the positive side behind the, having the Gmail account is, is if somebody Googles it because it's, you know, it's it's through Google like that, that'll pop up. Um, the other things get the, the phone numbers obviously listed on there. So yeah. I, I deal with Facebook Messenger, but that's not my preference. Mm-hmm. Uh, so easy to to lose track of things i think sometimes in that messenger it is especially you talk to 10 different people a day you have no idea what's going on so i've been you know i've been dragging around a notebook and you know, we've got an invoice book we can write up invoices and stuff like that trying to keep track of that so we will eventually hopefully have a website um i don't know if we'll necessarily list items on there for sale on websites you know we'll probably put some pictures of some products we made um, but we're not going to limit ourselves primarily to just obviously stills. We've got that dollar jug. Um, was talking to uh, somebody the other day. We got to kind of hashing around about whiskey thieves, maybe trying to do some whiskey thieves. Um, basically, just anything out of copper. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. We're doing buckets. You know, I, I talked to you know Chris Lewis here a while back. Hopefully, he's okay that I threw that out there, but. He's wanting buckets for in the distillery, so we worked out a deal on making him two um, two gallon copper buckets. Um, we're going to try to put our own little spin on those, also as far as some of the work goes in for him at the distillery. So yeah. just little things like that. I mean, obviously that's you know not typical of, of distillation equipment, but it's other copper no. we can throw in. So whatever to keep the copper catch bucket, man. Make some copper catch buckets and. Mm-hmm. You know, along the way, you'll you got you'll be sitting there and you'll think of something and you'll build it and you know downtime downtime is definitely good for ingenuity. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and that's kind of what's weird is is kind of taking this little venture on. Is I woke myself up at three o'clock in the morning the other morning for whatever reason I had some funky ass dream I was thinking about it and woke up and went and wrote it down. <laughs> you know, I was like, "Damn, that was a good dream too." I didn't even get. <laughs> hey, when when you get elderly, you know, you got to write down what you think of, or you're never yeah. gonna remember it again. Else you forget it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> immediately. I'm, I'm leaving notes with Siri, like Siri, take this note, and then because <laughs> if I write it down, there's a good chance I won't be able to read what it says later on. So I I, I text it or I I take a voice note. Oh, he's so, all. Yeah. Sends me text messages all the time, and he said, "Remember this for later." Yeah, I ended up having to go write it down because I'm I'm bad about deleting text messages. Note to self. Yeah, I don't keep a lot of arbitrary text messages on there because I may say something kind of perverted, and I don't want it to go to the wrong person. I did that. <laughs> Been Somebody, there. I think you meant that for somebody other than me. I was like, "Oh Ooh, shit, yep. wrong." Yeah, wrong. Wait, if you're not into it, yes, I did. Yeah, um, but if you're if you're into what I said, maybe it was for you. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah! All right, guys. Well, it's uh, a little over yeah. an hour. We've had everybody on a good amount of time, so. so we we definitely appreciate you guys coming on. Um, 
let us know when you're open for business and we will be sure to, you know, we'll share and let everybody know. And, and then, uh, you know, exactly where is your business going to be located at? So right now we are right on the Ross Fayette County line. Um, we're in good hope. If you come down 753 out of Washington courthouse, um, which runs basically from Route 35. We are just probably about 15 minutes south of Washington Courthouse. All right. I drive up the road three miles and we're back into Ross County. I actually live in Ross County. We eventually want to get back into Ross County. Um, but like I said, the building, the building fit the the what we needed to do at the time. So that's why. Oh yeah, and it's hard hard to beat free. Yeah, it's it's easy. Uh, so you know we're you know. Overhead's a nightmare. So if you can alleviate that overhead, man. Yep. Yep. Exactly. That definitely helps you out. So minimize the cash outlay to get the shop built and, and get up and running for our customers. Yep. Nice. So, all right. We appreciate you all having hey, us. Hey, fellas. We appreciate you. Everybody, thank you all for listening. Yep. Check us out, Apple Podcasts. Um, if you've got any questions, I'm sure you can message Sean on uh, Sean Peterman on Facebook. Um, or get with me or Sean, and we'll get you linked up with him. No okay. problem. Bells. All so right. y'all take care. Have a great night. Yes. All right. Everybody shine on.